Hello and good morning. My name is Rachel and I am one of the elders here at Andover Baptist Church and it is my great pleasure to be speaking to you this morning in the next instalment of our Jesus Is series. I asked some of you online on the chat earlier, what are your priorities in life? What are the things that are important to you? And some of the things that were said were family, friends, work, looking after sick members of the family, being in the will of God, food, Star Wars. <laughs> so there's lots of different priorities. And I wonder, maybe you in the room, or if you're just joining us online, perhaps you might think now, what are the things that are really important to you? And I'm sure you'd perhaps give some similar answers to those that we have heard already. But how do we find out what is truly important to us? We can all give the right answer or the answer that we think we should give. But to know what actually is important to us, we have to look beyond our words and start to look at our actions. Now, some people would advocate that the greatest reflection of our priorities is how we spend our time. Because what we give our time to tends to be what we prioritize as important. Now, the title of our talk today is Jesus is challenging our priorities. But if we are to allow Jesus to do just that, we need to know what our priorities actually are. Not a superficial answer, but a real answer based on what it actually looks like in our life. Because only then will we know where we are and be able to journey with Jesus through this challenge. Now, the passage that we're going to be looking at today comes from Mark's account of Jesus's life. Now, Mark was one of the earliest followers of Jesus, and he wrote down some of the actual eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life. And we're going to look at an encounter between Jesus and a man that we only know is described as a rich man or the rich young ruler. So I want you to imagine, if you will, this young man. He was a man of high standing, respected by others. He was rich. He had a home. He had food. He would have wanted for nothing. And yet in the passage that we're going to look at, we see that he has a question that is troubling him. He has a question that is burning holes in him, that not his position or any of his money or possessions could, or could bring an answer to. And it matters so much to him that he was prepared to run after Jesus, something that would be considered quite wrong of him to do as a man of such standing. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and you can follow along in your Bibles or on you version or however it is that you read your Bible. We'll start here at verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This respected young man, he treats Jesus with respect. It isn't one of the scenarios where the young ruler is trying to trick Jesus, trying to come be clever with his words. He's reverent towards him and he kneels before him as he asks his earnest question. And it's a big question. I wonder how many of us have at some point in our lives considered what happens after we die. Perhaps you're wondering that even as you listen. Maybe you believe that there is a heaven and eternity, but you aren't quite sure how you get there. Well, this man had the same question. Even though he'd been brought up to follow the religious laws and believed that there was such a thing as eternal life, he wasn't satisfied that he had the answer as to how he would get there. So Jesus responds, and appearing to be a little off topic at first, and he says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. 
And here we see the first thing to understand. Jesus isn't questioning his own goodness. It might seem a bit odd to us looking at um, Jesus, thinking, well, hold on a minute, you are God, therefore you are good. But that isn't the perspective in this conversation. The young ruler does not yet perceive Jesus as God. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to set out the difference between God and humankind. Only God can be perfect and wholly good. Humans are fallible. We make mistakes. Yes, of course, humans can do good things and be good, but not all the time. Jesus is setting out the groundwork for what he's about to go on to say. He wants the man to understand that humans are fallible in a way that God is not. So Jesus then goes on and says, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. See, Jesus is highlighting the way that the religious leaders and followers perceived the law. The law was there to show them how good they were. Many religious people of the day were devout in following the laws, and there were plenty of them to follow, some set by God and a lot more added on by some of the religious leaders of the day. People felt that they could earn their way to eternal life by keeping the commandments. And indeed, the rich young ruler, he replies to Jesus, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And I love what the next verse says. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. You see, Jesus knew that the young man may or may not do what he was about to tell him to do. But he loved him anyway. Jesus loves all of us in whatever state that we are in. Maybe you've not chosen to be a follower of Jesus yet. He still loves you. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but have wandered away or just not really spent too much time with him of late. And he still loves you. Maybe you feel like you've stuffed up and made mistakes that are too far gone to sort out. He still loves you too. And Jesus goes on to say to this young man that he loves, there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus zeroed in to the heart of the matter for this young man. All the commandments Jesus quoted previously were about the relationship with others, but the remaining commandments were about the relationship, about loving God and putting him first. The young man loved his riches more than he loved God, thus breaking the first commandment. His riches were more important to him than God, more important to him even than eternal life. And this wasn't about Jesus telling every follower of him that they should not have money or possessions. Jesus had many friends who had houses, wealth, and position that he did not require them to surrender. Jesus told this man to give up his riches, not simply because he had riches, but because his riches had him. Jesus showed the man that in fact he had not kept all the commandments, the law, and that the law the young man had been so keen to show he followed, proved it. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed them. 
But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, everything is possible. You see, the disciples were in disbelief and amazed because they thought that because this rich young ruler was rich, he must be blessed by God. And therefore, they thought that if he couldn't get to heaven, the guy that everybody thought had a one-way ticket to eternity, then who in the world could? They did not understand the difference that Jesus was making. They turned, Jesus turned everything upside down. If he, they couldn't understand that if, they, if he couldn't get to heaven, how could anybody else? So we go back to what Jesus said to start with. Only God is truly good. They were the words that Jesus spoke at the beginning of this encounter. And that is because he knew that no one could ever live up to the demands of the law. So however many laws you manage to keep, you will end up breaking one of them. For to truly love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself is impossible to do perfectly as human beings. We can try and we can measure ourselves up against the law and on many occasions we might do well. But what about the times that we fall short? What about the times that we make mistakes? You see, the law cannot save you, it just shows you how you measure up. Imagine a person who doesn't know how to swim being chucked in a pool of water. And as they begin to thrash about, someone, someone throws them a swimming manual. It won't save them. <laughs> you see, that person doesn't need a swimming manual. They need a savior. And that is exactly the same position that we find ourselves in. We cannot abide by all the laws so that we are truly good. It's impossible. But we have a savior who stepped into the gap. A saviour who made a way for us to inherit eternal life. And if we accept Jesus as our saviour and as Lord of our life, we will inherit eternal life. But if Jesus is not Lord of, of all, he cannot be Lord at all. And this young rich man, he ticked many boxes for following the rules and being a good citizen. But he did not allow God to be Lord of all of his life. He did not prioritise God over his wealth. So I wonder, how would this story play out if it was you or I meeting Jesus and asking him this question? What would Jesus' response to us be? What would he shine a light on in our lives? What is the thing that might be getting in the way of a relationship where God is the priority? Have I surrendered my life completely to God? If I care more about what other people think, maybe family, friends, or even strangers, than I care about what God thinks, then I'm not surrendered. If I care more about getting a good job and earning huge wages than I do about my relationship with God, then I'm not surrendered. If I hold on to my desires and prioritize these over the desires that God has for me, then I am not surrendered. And you see, this means sacrifice. And the disciples got this. Peter, having seen this whole interaction played out, speaks up. And he began to get what Jesus was talking about. Then Peter said, we've given up everything to follow you, he said. 
Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So what value do you place in Jesus and being with him forever? What does it mean to you to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? What you choose to be Lord of your life right now determines where you spend eternity. For the rich young ruler, it was money. But what is it for you that vies for position with Jesus? See, this life on earth is so short in the context of eternity, but the decisions we make matter. This young man prioritized his wealth and comfort in the present over spending eternity with God. What is it that might get in the way of you spending eternity with God? So how can we prioritize God in our lives? Well, this is where the rubber hits the road. And it's not always easy because it's more than just saying he is a priority. It's more than just ticking religious boxes. It's more than just showing up at church once a week. If we are truly to make Jesus a priority, it will mean sacrificing things. Perhaps sacrificing time. Perhaps sacrificing comfort. Perhaps sacrificing our preferences. Perhaps sacrificing money or property to do what God would have us do. And sometimes it even means that we need to think about the good things that we are doing. I know I can get very easy, easily busy doing good things for people that I can justify as good, maybe even church things. And I might be in danger of prioritizing good things above spending time with God. And I have to be really intentional not to let that happen. And you know, Paul, who was a leader in the early church, said in a letter he wrote to a group of Christians in Galatia, he said, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So invite Jesus to walk with you, to be in your every day. It's a decision, a choice, and an intention to allow God to be the priority. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us, and he will. Don't exclude him from any part of your life. When Paul says to walk with him, he doesn't say walk some places with him. It's walk everywhere with the Spirit. Have an open conversation so that the Holy Spirit can lead you in every sphere of your life. And you know what? Sometimes as a follower of Jesus, it is not always easy to prioritize God above ourselves. Paul didn't write this because he just thought it was a nice, wise thing to say. He knows how strong our human desires can be. And I know that it's a daily choice as to uh, where my priorities are. Sometimes it's really easy to say yes to God. But sometimes it's a real fight to say no to me. And it's amazing that when we stuff up, we can still come back to God and he will forgive us. It's not an excuse to stuff up and then go, it's okay, I can go and ask for forgiveness later. God's not like that, he'll see through it. But it does mean that when we do make a mistake, we can go to Jesus and say, we're sorry. And the reward? A life that is lived to the full on earth and an eternity in heaven. Not just a retirement or a few years of amazingness after the trickiness of this life. Not a hundred years or even a thousand years. It's more years than our minds can even comprehend of being in paradise. You see, it's not just about being good. 
that will allow us to inherit eternal life. We will always find the measure of us in the law, but God's love is immeasurable. He loves you, loves you so much that he sacrificed his life so that you can find him as your savior. So the question for us this morning is, will you prioritize him as Lord of all your life? As I've been praying about this this morning and what God might be saying to us, I felt that there might be two responses that we could consider. The first is for those of us who've never chosen to have Jesus as a priority in our life before today, to make that decision, to allow God to be the savior of your life, to allow him into your life and give you that forgiveness, to bridge that gap that there is that we cannot fill. Because by accepting that we cannot measure up in our own strength and acknowledging that there is a savior who loves us immeasurably, who died to save us, and who is just waiting for, to accept you into, his, into your life as Lord of all, you'll spend eternity with him. And the second response is for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for some time. Maybe there are some things that are just getting in the way. Maybe these are big things that you know, you're quite aware of. Maybe it's just a little thing that's sliding in at the side that you kind of you're, it's hitting on your conscience a little bit, thinking, oh, that's, that's getting kind of in the way of my time with Jesus. I'm not spending time with Jesus. Because if we don't spend time in relationship with Jesus, then how can we say that he is a priority in our lives? You know, sometimes that something can be really sneaking in. The devil's not stupid. He doesn't put a signpost in saying, hi, I'm the big hazard in the way of your relationship with God. That doesn't happen. It's those things that sometimes you excuse. Those things that sometimes you give a reason for. Oh, it's okay, that can, I can do that because there's a good reason to do that. And you know, some of the priorities that we mentioned at the beginning on the live stream, they're all really important things. But if God is not the most important thing, if God is not there right front and center of your lives, everything else gets out of kilter. So just now, as we come into a time of prayer, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. To shine that light as if we were speaking to Jesus on that road. And to highlight in us, what are those things that might be getting in the way? Church, if we want to make God a priority in our lives, we need to be real about the things that are currently a priority to us. So that we can allow the Holy Spirit to gently speak into our lives about those things we need to set aside to restore God to his place as priority. Because when we do, we get to step into the abundant life that God has for each and every one of us. So let's pray together now. If you're making that decision this morning for the first time that you want to allow God into your life as your saviour, then let's pray with me now. Father God, I am sorry for all the times that I have made mistakes where I haven't measured up. And I want to turn away from that way of living. Lord, I accept you into my life as Lord of all. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would walk with me as I prioritize you in my life. And perhaps if you've been a follower of Jesus now, I pray for us all. That God, you would speak into our lives. That you would speak into the areas of our lives that we know 
We need to set them aside so that you can take your rightful place as the priority in our life. Lord, I pray that you would just shine those lights into us gently as you do in the full knowledge that we can come to you and say that we're sorry and that you will forgive us. Lord, your grace is abundant. You just want us to spend time with you in relationship. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be real. Help us to be real about where we are now so that we can journey with you. So that we can go from here, not just having heard some words, but having been changed by an encounter with you. Amen.